praise the Lord, forever yours. Huh? Give Jesus one more big hand today. We bless the Lord for his goodness to us. Give your neighbor a high five, tell him forever is a long time. <laughs> and God's got something good in store. Hey, turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And as you're making your way there, how many have seen the movie God's Not Dead? Hey, it's incredible, wasn't it? I, I think that's the best movie, not just Christian movie, one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was inspiring, and uh, I highly encourage you to bring somebody with you when you see it. How about Noah's Ark? Anybody seen Noah's Ark? Is it out? Yeah, it's out. Come on. Well, I may go see it. Well, anyway, how many know you can't expect Hollywood to produce a movie that lines up 100% with the Bible? And my point in saying that is you'll probably see some things that are true, probably some slanted that are not true. But I want to encourage you, if you do happen to see that, go back and read the biblical account of Noah. I'm actually going to preach on Noah in a couple of weeks. Noah had a voice to the world. But oftentimes we see something in the movies, whether it has to do with history or whether it has to do with the Bible, and we kind of think that's the way it was and, and not always the case. I mean, no, the Bible is the reference point, and everything else kind of falls second to that. Praise the Lord. Well, I was thinking this week, it's been 17 months since my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, she went to, the, uh, to Baylor last week for an infusion and uh, just got one more to go. And they said all her test results were normal and uh, no evidence of cancer in her body. So praise the Lord. We're grateful to God for that. One more to go, just about uh, behind us. But I want to tell you, it's been the most difficult season of our life we've ever lived. But something we found in the midst of the difficulty, God is a faithful God. Never once doubted our faith, never once questioned, where in the world are you, Lord? But we have just found him closer. How many know difficulties can do that? It can just bring you closer to God. Well, in this process, as I was thinking Tuesday, you know, she told me her tests were good, and I just, I just was grateful to God. You know, sometimes it's kind of in our heads, but it slipped down in my heart a little bit, and I thank the Lord. But, but I just began thinking then about the people who have helped us in this journey. You know, people that have, whether it's helped with food, driven her to an appointment, or whatever the case is, prayed for us. Uh, I began to think in particular about a doctor. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, become a good friend. Uh, not her personal physician, but took an interest in us. Those first 10 days were the most difficult ones because we didn't know where to go for treatment, what, how bad it was going to be, you know, down the road. Go to Little Rock, go to Dallas, stay in Texarkana. Everybody had an opinion, and we were just in confusion. And I can remember my friend saying, look, if I can help you in the process, you give me a call. And we called him, and uh, he said, I can meet you tonight. Had about 10 or 12 hours of surgery. But we sat in the bank parking lot and, uh, that night and tried to figure out what to do. And uh, he said, you know, I, I just think that you're right. I think you need to go to Baylor. And uh, I'll call a physician, you know, up there, see if I can find the right person for you. The very next day, now this is Christmas time. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to get a doctor to do something at Christmas. And uh, anyway, it was Christmas. Just a couple days, we were, we were in Baylor. And when I got out of the car, this is no lie, there's a Bible college right across the street, if you know the Baylor campus. And we were in that parking lot. And uh, I got out of the car, and I just felt the peace of God. It's an odd thing. Now, uh, the peace of God just led us in the way. I, I, there's no way I can repay that man or the physician. When that physician came into the, to the waiting room after the surgery and said, I got it all, she's great. I mean, you know, or he communicated in such a fashion that, you know, we knew it was going to be okay. How can you repay somebody like that? I mean, this is something more than just insurance. There's a debt of honor. There's a debt of gratitude. There's, there's a recognition that someone has done something for me that I could never do for myself. And the appropriate thing is to say thank you in some measure. Well, how many know if people deserve that kind of thanks? How many know God deserves even more? Yeah. Not really. 
when we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, offered a restored relationship to God, what He's doing for us each day, how many know Jesus this very day is sustaining us, providing for us, protecting for us, praying for us at the right hand of the Father? And how many know one day He promised to come back and deliver us from this place? Come on, one day He promised to prepare a place for us to live. Well, He's worthy of gratitude and honor, but the big question is, how do I show gratitude and honor to God? That's a big question. The Bible, Proverbs chapter 3, gives us one, one way, and there are many. But notice what it said, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, the Message Bible, and I'll give you three translations of the one verse. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Give Him the first and the best. The English Standard Version says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. The New Living Translation says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Now, these were farmers. So think about these words, first and best, first fruits, the best. I'm going to suggest to you that the Bible tells us that we can honor God in our material world, and it is perhaps the anchor of a Christian's life. We, we have been talking this last month in a series called Balancing Act. And I have been trying to help you find, learn how to live with balance, be a spiritual person in a material world. Let me say it again. How to keep a spiritual focus in, a, in the most materialistic society there is on the planet. How in the world can I keep myself focused on God in the midst of this when sometimes I'm just trying to scratch out a living? One of the messages I think you'd really find helpful if you wanted to go back and listen is uh, we talked about biblical principles for prosperity. Not get-rich-quick schemes, but how can my tomorrows be better than today if I live the way God calls me to live? You see, I'm inviting God's favor in my life. Last week, you remember we talked about trapped. Remember the little raccoon in the trap? How the Scripture said in Timothy, which this has been a series about 1 Timothy 6, uh, how, how Scripture says that it's the love of money is the root of all evil, and many people have destroyed their spiritual lives. I mean, no, money's not evil, but that definition is if I'll do anything to get money and anything to keep it, I'll end up in a trap. So that's what we've been, I've been trying to help you with, and there's a center screen shot here. We've learned kind of this balancing act from, it's a true shot here, this guy's named Nick Walinda. In 2012, he walked across Niagara Falls, uh, 200 feet above the highest waterfall in North America, and I'm kind of showing between the spiritual and the material. But I want you to look behind him. If you can see about two feet behind him, he's dragging a little, what looks like a pulley to me and a rope. Uh, that's in case he were to fall off that he wouldn't die. Okay, pretty smart thing. Well, I would suggest to you that this idea of giving God our first and best is an anchor to keep us from falling and not destroying ourselves because it helps us orient ourselves first around the Lord. So let me explore this with you. There's some great principles I think you'll learn today. I've entitled it First and Best, and uh, I think it's really going to help you. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4. You know, when, when I read my Bible, I, I don't just read for facts and information. I, I read for principles I can apply. And some have wrongly believed that the Old Testament is almost not important for today. Well, well that's just not true. How many know the Bible of the New Testament church? When Paul told Timothy that all Scripture is inspired by God, the New Testament was not yet written or recognized. See, the Bible of the New Testament church was the Old Testament. And here's a good principle of biblical interpretation. Unless the, old, uh, unless the New Testament supersedes the Old, for example, how many know we don't offer animal sacrifices for sin because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice? I don't need a priest to go to God because Jesus is my high priest. See, some of the Old Testament has been superseded by the New Testament, the New Covenant, but there's some principles that are abiding. 
I try to live by the Ten Commandments today. I mean, no, it's still a commandment, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal. And this is one about honoring God in our life. So Genesis chapter 4, let's begin with the first two brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel. This is shortly after the fall of man. Uh, notice what it says. These are Adam and Eve's kids. Now, Abel took care of the flocks, which means Abel was a shepherd, and Cain became a farmer. Any gardeners in the room here? I'm a gardener, anybody? Yeah, a few of us. Okay, well, if y'all get hungry, we'll have you over. Okay, we'll all go to Daphne's garden and get something to eat. That's a joke. That's the only one I had. That was it. All right, anyway, Cain's a farmer. But later, and I want you to notice the wording. Later, Cain brought some food from the ground as a gift to God. He brought some food from the ground as an offering. Verse 4, Abel brought, say it with me, the best parts from some of the firstborn of the flock. Now, it's very, very significant to see this. I've read this dozens of times, but I just think recently it's really captured my heart. I've been your pastor here for 24 years, and I don't think I've ever preached on this principle called first fruits. But there's a big difference. Basically, Cain brought what seems to be something extra, second best. It was not his first and best. And notice how God responded. It says, The Lord accepted Abel and his gift... But he did not accept Cain and his gift. Now, isn't that odd? This is the first example that I, I think in the Bible of an offering brought to God as an act of worship. And one of them was accepted because it was first and best. And one was not accepted because it was somehow second best. Now, I don't know what it was. Uh, as a gardener, uh, unfortunately, everything gets ready at one time. For example, if I, I planted broccoli and uh, it may all be ready at once, well, how I many know you can't eat 20 big chunks of broccoli all at one time? And if you try to hoard it in the refrigerator, it'll just, you know, spoil on you. So you give it away. It's all ready at one time. Well, how many know when you just give something extra that you don't want or you don't need, it's a little different than if you only had one broccoli plant, come on, and you shared that with somebody? Well, that's kind of the principle we're talking about here. Cain became angry and felt rejected. And the Lord asked Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look so unhappy? And verse 7 is telling, if you do things well, I'm going to accept you. And the implication is his gift, his second best to God, was not doing well. But if you don't do them well, sin is ready to attack you. Sin wants you, but you must rule over it. And then verse 8, the first great tragedy, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go into the field. And Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. Now, let's learn a little bit about these two brothers from the New Testament. Abel first was a righteous man. Abel lived by faith, and Abel honored God with his first and best. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, said it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. Now, I suggest to you, as Jesus taught, whatever we do in our outward world is simply a reflection of our heart. You're quiet on me this morning. Whatever I do in my outward world is simply a reflection of my heart. It's what's going on on the inside. Uh, Abel's offering, he was righteous, and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Now, what in the world does that mean? How many know it took some faith for Abel to give maybe that firstborn lamb? And I was raised on a farm. We raised cattle. I can remember one time we had this cow. She was a prize cow, and we artificially inseminated her with what we hoped would bring forth a super bull. Now, how many know if that bull was born, it would be pretty hard to give that bull to the Lord because he was your first and best. 
It's almost easier to give something extra or to easier to give a leftover. But this idea of the first fruits of the first, that's exactly what it means, the first that God gives me. Now, for the farmers in the biblical area, for example, when broccoli came in, the first one that they did, they brought that broccoli, they brought it to the house of the Lord. I've known people over the years who the first sale they made, for example, maybe they started a business, maybe they started a taco stand, and the first taco or the first, you know, the first day's profit, you know, some people will put the first dollar on the wall. You've seen that in the building? Well, I've known people that would give that to the Lord. I've known people that would give the first commission or they'd start a job and the first increase that they had. And it was a, it's a specific and a deliberate way to honor the Lord. Now, hear me. And if you think I'm just a preacher looking for your money, I don't want your money. If you feel that way, please don't ever give in our church. But I want to help you because I'm after your heart, not your money. Because Jesus said where your treasure is. And aren't we supposed to love the Lord with all our heart? And this is the spiritual balancing act, how to be able to receive good things that we need, how to enjoy God's blessing, but not so get so tangled up in it that I can't honor God with first and best. Well, that's what Abel did, and it took, I mean, it takes, always takes faith to put God first. It always does, but it's a lesson. Cain, on the other hand, he had a heart problem, and Cain's sinful side was in control. Now, Cain didn't give God his best, and he was angry at God and killed his brother. Now, here's what the New Testament says, 1 John 3, don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. And again, what we do on our outside world is simply an indication of our heart. If a guy tells you he loves you, but all he wants is to have sex with you, how many know he doesn't love you, he loves himself? You see, it's what you do, it's not what you say, because it's a reflection of our lives. Um, why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother doing what was righteous and what he gave to God in his offering was simply a reflection of a heart that needed to be changed by God. The book of Jude tells us, Jude 11, is that Cain was a greedy man. It tells us that Cain was a rebellious man and it was reflected in his outer world and his relationship with God. Cain's offering was even a defiant statement to God. It said, I'll give what I want when I want to do it rather than coming to God with first and best. Now, uh, Abel understood this principle of first, fruit, first fruits. Let me give you a definition of, of this idea of first in the Bible or first fruits. In the Old Testament, a firstborn child, and I'll read the scripture in a moment, but the first child that was born belonged to the Lord. And there was a way to redeem that child that back, but the first animal that was born belonged to the Lord, the first of the crops, and it was called holy, and it belonged to the Lord. Now, that's hard for me to understand, particularly as, a, as an American Christian, particularly in a Protestant church. The idea of something is holy is kind of hard to get, a, get my, my, you know, my grasp. Um, have you ever felt maybe awkward to uh, uh, bring a, a drink into the sanctuary? I remember that was kind of a big deal when we first allowed that because it's like this is God's house. Other people, on the other hand, I, this is no, this, I hate to even say this, but we've picked up peanut holes in the sanctuary before and toenail clippings. I mean, okay, okay. So, so imagine if we we're in a, a Catholic church or an Episcopal church and it's communion time. That communion, they literally believe that the, the, the wine becomes the blood of Christ and the bread becomes the body of Christ. And if you've ever noticed the priest, if it's any left, he'll drink it. He'll take a white cloth of purity and he'll wipe the glass because it's holy. Now, can you imagine someone coming in and robbing the church and stealing the communion set? Now, if you're going to come in the church and you know, steal a microphone, go to the pawn shop, please don't. But, but that's not a big deal. 
But if you go into the Catholic Church and you steal that chalice, and then you take it to the pawn shop, it just something is just kind of not right in that. Well, so when these scriptures say that this first belongs to the Lord, it's holy, it should be looked at in that, in that same fashion. You see, that their giving of the first fruits was an act of faith because they believed that God would bless the rest. It's like God's math. Ten minus one equals eleven. Ten minus one doesn't equal nine. It's like when we honor God, then God's promise in the scripture is to bless us and to honor us. We never give because we want something from God, but we give to honor and gratitude, and as a good father, he blesses us. Again, Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. Exodus 13, consecrate, set apart to me all the firstborn, the first to open the womb, man and beast is mine. Now, think about Jesus just a second. How many know Jesus was God's best? Now, if you look in the Bible again, it was the first fruits, the first produce of the land, the first crop of corn, the first tomato they bring to the Lord, the first child that was born, the first animal that was born. You remember when the Israelites went into the promised land? What was the first city called? It was called Jericho. And what did God say to Jericho? Don't take anything. It's all devoted to the Lord. But after that, then God said, you know, when you go in the city, the plunder is yours. But that first was devoted to God. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here on Sunday morning? Sunday is the what? Is Sunday the last day of the week or the? It's the first. We're here to give God this first day of the week. For many people, their week begins on Friday because Friday's the weekend. For other people, the week begins on Monday because Monday's when work starts. But for the Christian, we worship on Sunday because it's the first day of the week. Uh, most of you, I hope, get up when you get up in the morning. One of the first things we do is have our devotion time because we're doing what? We're giving God the first of our time. See, we're honoring the Lord with all these things. Matthew 6, says what? Seek ye first. Yeah. first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then what God's going to do? He's going to take care of me. All this will be added to you, my food, my clothes, my, my shelter in life. So God looks for the first, and the timeless principle is this. God blesses the rest when we give Him our first and best. So you can go so far with your ability to produce, but how many know God can take care of us? Recession, depression, come on, social security, whatever. How many know God is big enough to take care of us outside the normal boundaries of life? Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand this morning. Now, let's keep going with this idea of first and best. Uh, Leviticus 27, because we honor God and express gratitude to Him by tithing upon what He gives us. Now, stay with me on this. Leviticus 27.30, it says, and this is in the Law of Moses, a tenth or a tithe of the produce of the land, whether it's grain or fruit, and here's the word again, it belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. So that's why you've heard it, people say, we don't give our tithe, we bring our tithe to the Lord. I mean, no, giving is an offering. Uh, if you're this farmer in their day, let's say they had 10 acres of corn and he's out there looking at it and he said, okay, these first 40 rows here, as soon as you get that, you bring that to the house of the Lord and then we live off the rest and God, and God blesses it. If I were to give you $10 or if you're working and you make 10 $1 bills, uh, what's the tithe on that? It's a dollar, but not, here's a question and this is not a trick question, but it's real. Is it any one of those bills or is it the first one? And this is something that I've started practicing three years ago, and it's made a dramatic difference in my life. Because, again, this is not about numbers. This is about our hearts. 
Um, I used to pay my bills this way before electronic you know, stuff came along. I'd get this stack of bills, and I'd pay the rent payment, and I'd pay the credit card, and I'd pay this, and I'd pay that. And sometime in there, I'd write out my tithe. Well, I don't know that that was the tithe. The tithe is the first. And what I do now, whenever I make a deposit, when I'm writing out my deposit and recording things, as soon as I make out the deposit slip, I write out a check to the house of the Lord. And, and, and even if it's Tuesday, and I don't give it till Sunday because it helps me honor the Lord. Let me help you with this. When I go to the ATM machine, I still do my banking that way. When I'm at that machine, I try to pause and say, Lord, thank you for giving me this. Let me help you now. Because if you're not careful, it's just paper and money and moving. And if you're not careful, we're not even praying over our food to be thankful and gratitude. Somehow we have to make ourselves stop to realize God is the one that takes care of us. Come on, I'm preaching way better than you're amening this morning. God is the one that takes care of us. See, and it's a reminder that's, that's helpful. Now, uh, t- if you look in the, in the New Testament... You see very little about tithing. Actually, there's two references. Jesus just alluded to it briefly, affirming a practice of the Pharisees. It's not because it's not important, but I think the presumption was from the Old Testament. But most of what you see in the New Testament is the willingness of the heart, and you see an offering that's being received in Paul's letters for the saints in Jerusalem. There's a famine that's there, and he's going to all the churches encouraging people to give to the, to the Jewish people that are there. Now, it's this idea of willingly honoring God. I can tell you, I don't owe a thing to that doctor in Dallas because the insurance companies paid him all the money. Are you with me? But Linnell and I have talked about this. Somehow we want to express honor and gratitude for the guy that God used to save her life. Not because anybody's forcing us to do it, but it's in our heart to do it. See, this is the same thing that we're, we're trying to get to in our relationship with God. Genesis 14, before the obligation of the law came to pass, uh, here's the story. Abram, he became Abraham. He and his nephew Lot live in the same land, but there's so much property. I mean, they're they're so big that they have to separate. Well, the bad guys come and they capture Lot. It's just like Putin went into Crimea this last week. You know, I mean, he just went there and just took it. So, so they captured Lot. Well, Abram went out and he got back his nephew. Okay. So he's alive. He's not going to get in trouble with his sister now, okay? Nephew's alive. They got all their property and everything back. But here's what I want you to see what he did. When he got back, he found a man named Melchizedek, who is the priest of God. Priest means God's representative. And notice what he did, verse 19. The priest blessed Abram and said, Praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, if you read that story, you would go back and see Abraham took soldiers with him to go and win the battle. So the picture is Abraham's out here fighting, but Abraham and the priest stopped to say, you know what, God helped us do that. And then what does Scripture say? It said, then Abram gave him what? Why did he do that? Gratitude and honor. No obligation, no need. And have me know, God doesn't need our paper money. But what God desperately wants is our heart. Love him with all your heart. You're quiet this morning. Genesis chapter 28 Another example. Now, this is the grandson of Abraham. His name is Jacob. And a cool story about Jacob. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just treat us the way we deserve to be treated today, but he sees what we can become tomorrow? And Jacob started out like most of us did. Jacob was a little deceptive. He was a little crooked. And actually what he did is he actually stole his brother's birthright from him for a bowl of soup, a bowl of beans. And now his brother said, I'm going to kill you. So here's what happens. This guy, running away from home, scared to death, 
But here's what he prays. He made a promise, and his promise to God was this. I want God to be with me and protect me on my journey. I want God to give me food to eat and clothes to wear so I come back to my Father's house in peace. Isn't that what all of us want every day? We want to live in peace. We want food. We want clothing. We want shelter. We want God to take care of us. And then he said these words again. If the Lord does these things, he will be what? My God. See, now he's sharing with us what his heart is. At this point, he's daddy's God, Isaac. He's granddaddy's God, Abraham. But now he's saying, you'll be my God. And what does he say, verse 22? I will give God. Why did he do that? Again, gratitude and honor that flowed from the heart of the man. See, the lesson here is this. If, uh, God gave, God, uh, they gave the tithe to express gratitude and honor to God. Now, let me flip the coin a little bit. Malachi chapter 1. That's kind of the life that Abel lived. But now let's kind of look at the spirit behind Cain in the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. It's an interesting book. Uh, how many would think we would learn a lesson from the past? Or we repeat itself? Well, Israel's history, probably 700, 750 years prior to the book of Malachi, Moses had made a prediction, and Moses said, if you ever get so far away from God, fall into idolatry, mess things up, then God's going to judge you severely. And he did it. He sent them into captivity. But after the 70 years, God sent them back to their homeland. They're rebuilding the city. But a couple decades after that, they start falling back into this sinful lifestyle. Notice what Malachi says, and it's very interesting. The Lord of heaven's armies, or Lord of hosts, said to the priests... Now, the priests were the ones responsible for God's temple. They were responsible that it be not defiled and kept holy. And they said this, uh, God said to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. God says, If I am your father and master, think about that. How many would say that's the same today for us? Yes. Where are the honor and respect I deserve? I can't imagine God asking people where's his honor. That's kind of like saying, hey, it's my birthday's coming up. April 24th, by the way. Anyway, uh, my, my dad's 75th birthday was a few years ago. I forgot. But I got a call from his wife that morning to remind me. And I quickly got on the phone. I, he likes nuts, so I ordered him some nuts and things. But I called him like I hadn't forgotten. But I was deeply grateful when I was reminded you see, there's some things that just deserve honor. And in their system, uh, well, let's read about it. Verse 8, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Now, I, we can't really relate to this as, as, as Christians of the New Covenant. But in the Old Testament, whenever they would make a gift to God or a sacrifice, there would most of the time be an animal that was sacrificed involved. And it's a reason it stemmed back to the book of Genesis. You remember when Adam and Eve fell? What did God put on their shoulders? Animal skins, and they weren't from Kmart, okay? Animals died because sin atones, uh, uh, is atoned for by blood. And every sacrifice was a reminder of the sinfulness of mankind and the goodness of God. But these people, supposed to bring God the best, they're bringing blind and crippled and diseased animals. And he said, hey, try giving a gift like that to your governor and see how pleased your governor is. See, Deuteronomy 15 said, any firstborn animal that has a defect, lame, blind, or anything else wrong with it, don't sacrifice it to the Lord your God. But they were doing just the opposite. God wanted first and best, but they gave him extras. Imagine if someone real special came to your house for dinner. Uh, when we got married a long, long time ago, uh, it, 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 
several years, it just seemed like days since when we were married. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> we got some china. And, and, and crystal glasses, you know. Well, we don't use those every day. You know, if we ever think of bring them out, the kids say, oh, dishes, you know. You know. But if somebody real special comes to the house, if, that, if those two doctors, the one that helped us get to Baylor and the one that operated on her, if they would come to our house for dinner, we'd take out the fine china. We wouldn't give them a paper plate to eat food on. Somebody gave me a dozen tamales about, I don't know, it was a while back. And they're still in my refrigerator, and I, I ate half of them, and I forgot about the other half. And I was trying to think, now, when did we put those things in there? Imagine if you came over to my house this afternoon for dinner. Well, we just, we don't have enough food here, but I'm going to give you these tamales, and you can, you can. No, you wouldn't do that to someone you like. Come on, that's what you do. You know, that's what you do to your ex or something. I mean, you don't... You, that's teasing. Hmm. Verse 9. When, when you bring that kind of offering, why should, uh, why should God or why should I show you any favor at all? In other words, the whole purpose of Cain's offering was to say, thank you for God's blessing of the past and ask for God's blessing in the future. And now God says, when you give me second best, you dishonor my name with your See, it's, and this is where I think, at least in my life, and I think in many, we get confused because we lose touch with reality because we base our Christian life on what we feel about God, come on, rather than what our actions actually reveal about ourselves. Uh, you say, verse 13, it's too hard to serve the Lord. Well, how many would agree and say it is hard to serve the Lord? Listen, I don't care if it's your first and best or anybody ever have a hard time, guys, please don't say this too loud, but loving your wife as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5. <laughs> Girls, anybody have time honoring your husband? Come on, showing him respect when he acts like a nut. <laughs> children, do you have a hard time finding uh, the scripture that says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right? It's hard to serve the Lord. How about forgiving somebody? I'll give you a little story here. I won't tell you who it is, but I have a friend of mine that was, uh, uh, was uh, 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 slandered in a, well, I guess a libel in, on Facebook. I mean, just brung through the mud. And we were talking about it, and, you know, and I said, well, you know now, okay, we know who it is, whatever, and you, when you figured all this out, are you going to forgive them or are you going to get even? Get even. <laughs> you wait to see what I post about them. And, of course, I did the, you know, well, what would Jesus do? Well, I don't care what Jesus would do. This is what I feel like doing. It is hard to serve the Lord sometimes. All right, I'm just about done. It's hard to serve the Lord. But verse 14, it, it, you, you, you have to know the Bible says this. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. Cursed. I, did you read the editorial in our paper a couple of days ago? Uh, this guy uh, that was claimed to be a Baptist pastor, I think Westboro Church, they used to picket funerals and military processions with just, you know, really distasteful signs and things. Um, well, anyway, the paper basically, you know, said, talked about it a little bit and, and, and said, well, the God I know is a loving God, not a God of, of hate and judgment and all that. And I thought, well, no, wait just a second. God is loving, but God is just. God loves people in spite of our sin, but sin, if it's not dealt with, will be judged one day. See, He's, he's loving, but He's just. He's, he's righteous and He's holy. He's merciful and He's holy. God is both 
in the world that we live today. And, and, and this whole idea of a curse, Malachi 3.8 said, should people cheat or rob God, you've cheated me. You say, what do you mean? How did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings that were due to me. You're under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. So that's the flip side. Now, how I many know we don't want to be like Cain, and we don't have to be like Cain? We don't have to be the people where God gets second best and leftovers, but where God gets first and best. Because I want to tell you, friends, it's the people that are the first and best that are the people that are blessed. It's the people that are living a righteous life. The next promise in Malachi was God said, when you bring your tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing to you. In the New Testament, Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, give and it'll be Given to you a good measure. The scripture Linnell shared today that when we sow generously, we reap generously because God is a good God. God is not out just to take things from us, but what God wants us to do is to us to have an opportunity to show our gratitude and honor, and in turn, 10 minus 1 will equal 11, come on, rather than having less. God doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to bless us. And Abel taught us that it takes faith to live this way. But can I tell you what? Faith is the lifestyle I want to live because I want to live and be a righteous person and I want, my, I want the way I live, come on, to reflect it accordingly. Give the Lord a good hand. I, I, I'm done this morning. Well, let me close with my thought, this balancing act. I think this little cable in the back is what we've talked about today. The balance in our material and spiritual world doesn't start with budgets. It starts with a heart that says, Lord, I want you to be first. If you've been coming to our church any length of time, you notice that in almost every service, I'll lead you and say something like this, Lord, I surrender my heart to you. Lord, I want you to be first in my life. Why is that? It's because I am after your heart. Mark 12, 29, Jesus said this, the most important commandment in the Bible is what? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. See, this balancing act, it's not first about money. It's first about our heart. And a decision that I hope you make today is, do I want God to be first and best, or do I want God to be second? Because, my friends, if you choose to put God first, what you're really doing is you're showing the truth of Matthew 6, where your treasure is there your heart is also. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll love the one and ignore the other. You'll despise the one and embrace the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And I am fully convinced this word mammon, there's a spirit, come on, over material things in our community and in America. It wants to make people afraid of the future. It wants to make people hoard. It wants to make people do anything to get and keep money. I'm telling you, friends, if you put yourself on that cable and lock yourself into a God with the first and best, your future is going to be bright because you can't separate your material and your spiritual world. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to close with a song. And as you're singing, I want you to just simply say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today?